0: Good morning. Am I on? There we go. There we go. Um, this is, uh, is going to be a little bit different morning. Uh, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Chris Genders. I'm the youth pastor for the church, and uh, we are going to be joined by... Uh, numerous students that uh, went on a recent mission trip. Uh, it was called Route 25. It came from Matthew 25, uh, where Jesus uh, says that what you do for the least of these, and he talks about those who are homeless and those who are hungry and those who are in prison. That when we do things for them, we do those things for Christ as well. And uh, this morning, it's it's a little bit different because I ha- I have no notes, um, so I have no idea where we're going to go here in a few moments. Um, so just be praying as we go through this. Um, I, I've been told I have three hours, and uh, so we'll be fine. We went ahead and delayed second service uh, to start. We told them come at one, um, so we'll be fine. But uh, no, we we had numerous students that went on this trip, and we've been in this study on the book of Acts uh, as a church, and our key verse for that is Acts one eight, and it says, "You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." And the the scripture for today, we've just been going through Acts. And the scripture for today is, covers like two or three chapters in Acts, and it's all about Paul, and as he's traveling, he gets arrested, and he gets transferred from one um, political figure to another and has to defend himself. And every time he gets before somebody, all he does is the same thing. He goes back and he, he tells his story. This is who I was before I met Christ, and this is how I met Christ, and this is how Christ has changed my life um, ever since. And today, I thought, what better way to share not only um, that scripture, but also what happened in the lives of the students by having them share. This is how I encountered Christ um, on this trip, and this is what happened, and this is what we did. And uh, so we've got some pictures we're going to go through as we go. We've got microphones we're going to pass. Um, sorry. And uh, we, you're just going to hear from students and from myself. You know, as we when we had uh, 35 people total uh, that we we went for eight days. And uh, we covered uh, 2,015 miles in three RVs and in a personal vehicle as well. Um, And what was unique about the trip was the students had no clue where we were going. Um, We didn't tell them anything, where we were going, what we were doing. Um, All they knew was they were supposed to show up on Wednesday morning at the church at 6 a.m. and get in RVs and trust us. And so Bill, for the last two weeks, uh, has been talking and his sermon has been titled Total Surrender, and that's really what these guys had to do was completely surrender um, their lives for eight days to us as leaders. Now, we told their parents, um, so anybody out there that's concerned, we, parents didn't know where we were going and what we were doing. Don't worry about that. But the students didn't know. And so I want to hear from you guys, first of all, like, what was that like? Because um, I don't know how I would have responded as a high school student going, hey, come with us for 2,000 miles, but we're not going to tell you where we're going and what we're doing. What did you think of that? I didn't mind it. Yeah? Okay. All right. Steven's got an easygoing personality. He's like, all right, whatever. We'll go. Well, we all knew that we were doing good, so it didn't really matter.
1: Like, we weren't gonna, they weren't going to let us get hurt, so we're like, okay.
0: <laughs> he didn't know.
1: And they were nice RVs.
0: And they were nice RVs. They were nice RVs. So they were very nice RVs. Yeah, throw that in there, too. What was it like traveling in RVs? But, you know, keep going on the mystery idea.
2: Um, it's sort of what Steve said, I didn't really, but when people would ask, oh, you're going on a missions trip, where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Well, and like, while, while we're on the trip, we'd stop at gas stations oh, yeah. occasionally.
2: And we didn't know where we were, we'd be like, hey, what town are we in? What not, state not what town, are we what in? State. What state? And they'd be like, um, <laughs> then, like, Detroit, and we'd be like, oh, cool, cool. They'd <laughs> just be like, yeah, so it's sort of hard in the aspect of asking people, like, where we were, or people asking us what we were doing. Other right. than that, it wouldn't really bother me not knowing.
0: All right. Anybody else? Just one more. One more. You don't have to pass the microphone. We're not going like in sequential oh. order. Jump around. Um. um well, <laughs> Nate Lee has spoken. <laughs> um.
1: Well, the first day we were like, we were like trying to figure out where we were going to go, but then like after that, we we just kind of got in the RVs and just kind of drove, and we didn't really care where we were going. I don't think it's just we showed up and worked pretty much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, first place we went to was? St. Louis. In the microphone. St. Louis. St. Louis. All right. And what did we do in St. Louis? <laughs> They're like, what did we do in St. Louis? Um,
3: we worked in a Bosnian food pantry. Okay. Um, yeah. We just, we emptied out rooms um, and went through all this stuff. There was a ton of food, so we just had to pick out all the expired stuff. Um, we did a lot of cleaning and painting and vacuuming and there were a bunch of onions so it smelled like onions and <laughs> yeah that was that was pretty bad yeah
0: yeah what did you learn about um, why, why is there a food pantry why are, why are there people in st. Louis that are devoting their lives to serving Bosnian immigrants
1: um, st. Louis is actually the biggest um, refugee city of the Bosnian like population there's like 75,000 Bosnian refugees in st. Louis and um i never knew that before this trip <laughs> i don't think many people do but st louis is one of like the biggest refugee city for cities for like any any country which surprised me
0: so. yeah yeah um, raise your hands if you've been to st louis put your hands keep your hands up if you knew that that was a, a site for bosnian refugees boom we got like one in the back maybe another but yeah so that was eye opening for us. Like, we had no clue that, that, was, that St. Louis played that bigger role. Any other stories or thoughts from St. Louis? Well, they have this cake. <laughs> <laughs>
1: delicious. It's delicious. all about the food. And it was so good.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Any, anything more profound um, than that, maybe?
3: Um, The first day was really crazy because it was a mystery and it was kind of rough for me, but I was really anxious. But anyway, um, it was really cool to see these people that were ordinary people um, trying to make an impact in their world. And we were able to enter in and just try and help them out. But um, yeah, they were in the basement of a church just like using the space that they had to make an impact, even though, you know, they didn't have a whole lot and they were doing a lot. So it was really cool to see that.
0: What's the predominant religion in uh, Bosnia?
3: Muslim.
0: Muslim, yep. Which, by the way, a plug, we're starting the Islam class tonight at 6.30 in the youth room. If you'd like to be there, it's only $10. Still a class really. Um,
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, seriously, it's, it's going to be a great class. I encourage you to do it. Um, and Sasha that we met, what do, what do you remember that he said? What was unique about him? As far as he knew, he was the only evangelical Christian Bosnian in all of St. Louis. Out of 75,000 people, he and his wife um, and his family, they were the only people who preached Christ um, to Bosnians. And so incredible mission. And we see them here in the Nike shirt and his wife next to him. And then um, Tara is in the red with Zach and the blue right behind. Uh, they're an American couple. They just have a heart for Bosnians. And so they moved into the community, and they're serving with um, Sasha and, and Mira as well. So um, so that was day one. We spent half a day in St. Louis, and then we kept driving. Where would we go? Into the microphone. Memphis. Memphis. Is, are, are we in class? Like, are you asking a question? Or are you giving it? A <laughs>
4: Memphis.
0: It was Memphis. Um, yes. Yes. And what do we do in Memphis? Somebody that hasn't talked yet. Uh, um, I got it. I got it. Oh. Well, let's <laughs> jump in. All right.
5: um, sorry, I lost my voice. I was at camp this week. Um, uh, in Memphis, we went to an urban farm in like the middle of the city, which um, I think it was out of school, right? It was at school, and um, basically what they did there was they taught kids how to um, use the resources that they have around them to um, survive off the land, kind of, because, you know, inner city kids, they don't get that a lot, so that was really cool. We basically just um, worked outside in greenhouses and just, like, um, like wheeled around wheelbarrows all day and, like, hauled dirt and got all dirty and sweaty and gross, and it was really hard, but... It was fun too.
0: Yeah. So. And, and I got to give props to, you know, central Illinois youth because we worked in these greenhouses and my pictures on my screen here are a little bit off, but there's like four of these big greenhouses and then gardens in between. And we overhauled three of those in the one day we were there. And at the end of the day, we were talking with the guy that runs the urban farm. And he said, you know, I've had two other groups that are the exact same size. We're here the exact same time and of, of length, length of time. And those two groups together did one greenhouse. And your group did three plus um, in one day. And so props to these guys and all the others. So please. <laughs> Athletes and farmers. Those are the people you want to take on a missions trip. Let me tell you. So yeah, so we were, we were in Memphis. We did urban farming. Any, any fun stories from there? They're trying to remember.
2: Okay, I got to work with some of the little kids, and they wanted to come because they are at the summer camp. And, um, like, after, like, little kids, I bet it's not on their top list to garden and hoe a garden. So after we were done, we had a dance party. So it was nice. pretty good. Nice. Yep, it was good.
0: Yeah, we had some fun moments like that that kind of spontaneous uh, popped up on us. So any other thoughts from Memphis? let
5: well, I have a funny story that happened when we were on the RV on the way to Memphis. <laughs> okay, so me and Isabel were sitting in the RV, and there was, we had meatballs at night, and they were sitting in the Crock-Pot. forgot pot. about this picture. <laughs> we were sitting in the Crock-Pot. No, we, they were sitting. Okay, the Crock-Pot. You were pot sitting was, in a
0: Crock-Pot? Really?
5: <laughs> the Crock-Pot was sitting on the counter, and I was, like, sitting, like, next to the counter we went over a really big bump and the crocodile just fell on top of me and like <laughs> the meatball just spilled everywhere i had I all know, up my smiling. side and like on my back <laughs> and um so like we had all three rvs had to pull over and like had to open the open the trailer so i could get my clothes and like we, had, we were sitting there for a good 20 minutes like waiting for them to like finished cleaning it up so like we're all sitting there on the side of the road like people are like on the side of the road like <laughs> hitchhiking and everything but
0: we, we were really good. safe with your students
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we promised promise safety Stephen.
5: it was probably like one of the funniest moments of my life it was really
0: crazy. i remember when we started pulling over and we had walkie-talkies between the rvs and i'm like well, what's going on and they're like meatballs spilled and i'm like How do you respond to that? Really? (laughs) Okay, our trip got derailed because of meatballs. Okay, so it was pretty messy, and they were really good meatballs. Uh, Thanks to Kevin and Debbie Rao, if you're here, they went with us and uh, they did all the food. So, wow. We've, I've never eaten that good on a missions trip. And uh, Warren Yates, I know he's not here. He and Lori are in South Dakota, um, but he was our RV extraordinaire. So anything that happened with RVs, he was he was our man. So, all right. So that was day two. We were in Memphis, and then where did we go?
6: Um, Nashville.
0: Nashville. What did we do in Nashville?
6: Um, we helped two organizations that both um, helped recovering addicts and pull, pull the mic up just a little bit. They um, we helped two organizations that helped recovering addicts and felons, I guess. And then my group did a lot of drywall and mudding. <laughs>
0: I just got to tell you, this, the timing on that picture and that comment was perfect. Just know. saying. All right. What else? Somebody else. What, what were the What were the programs that were in Nashville? lighthouse
1: mending. Hearts, which was a woman's like recovering thing, and uh, Lighthouse, which was a men's recovering addict.
0: Okay. Place. Talk a little bit about. Um, uh, Mending Hearts and what their vision was for where they were at.
4: <laughs>
0: let me rephrase the question. What was unique about how Mending Hearts was approaching their ministry as far as the buildings and the style of ministry and where they were located?
4: <laughs> okay, let me take this one. <laughs> so,
0: Mending Hearts is an addiction recovery program for women, and they they. We're smack dab in the middle of an area where drugs were still being trafficked, where gangs still resided. And these are women that are coming out of that environment, coming out of prison, um, trying to get their feet back on, underneath them, uh, get back in life. And this organization had the vision to buy multiple homes and properties around like a, a central block. And so they had this kind of community of light in the middle of darkness. And I remember talking to um, one of the co-founders and you know she said everybody asked me like why in the world are you putting this in the heart of drugs and all of that in that community and her comment was those who played the greatest part in destroying our community need to play the greatest part in restoring our community and I thought that was really incredible vision and trust in God uh, for protection so yeah it was kind of neat to see ordinary people they just start buying homes and they started putting these women in them and teaching them Christ and recovery uh, through that. And then Lighthouse, I didn't have a chance to go to Lighthouse. So somebody talk about what Lighthouse was like.
1: Um, it was a bunch of like apartment buildings and they were pretty run down. Uh, so we were like redoing some of the rooms. And um, well, there were probably about 30, 40, peop- 40 men there. I don't know, something like that. Um, and they were nice. I mean, I wouldn't... If I just saw them on the streets or just, like, walking by, I wouldn't think anything. But
0: You're talking about the people?
1: Yeah. The, the guys you met? Yeah. Recovering. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Any, any unique stories or experiences? Did you know? Nope.
1: Oh. Um, there was a big dumpster, and they were getting rid of TVs, and... Um, We could break them, so (laughs) we kind of threw them and broke the TVs. (laughs) It was pretty fun.
3: (laughs) With safety
0: goggles on for all you Caterpillar safety people.
3: Um, So we were in Nashville on day three, so normally day three of a trip, like, you shouldn't be that tired. Well, first of all, Nashville is hot so we were we were just exhausted and we had already been you know all sorts of crazy places and we had no idea where we were going next so we were all really tired um and my group was working we were emptying out this shed and just going through all this donated stuff and it was kind of monotonous and hard um you know like women's jackets over here and men's pants and there's a lot of stuff yeah that's the shed so um yeah so we were working isabel and i were trying to raise morale i was tired um We got to lunch, and some of the women um, came and gave us their stories, their testimonies. And um, I don't think any of us walked away from that um, tired anymore. We were just all blown away, Um, first of all, by their openness and honesty, um, just to stand up in front of us and just be really honest with, this is how I messed up, and this is where I am now. Um, But also just to see how God was moving in their lives, even if they hadn't really fully acknowledged that yet. Um, and then at the end of that, one of the women um, was talking about how she had always wanted to work on her singing and how she had never really had the chance to or the confidence to. Um, but, but now that she's, you know, making progress, she really wants to work on her singing. And when we were done, she asked if she could sing for us. And I don't know about everyone else, but I was just crying, and it was so good. Um, she was just – she had a gorgeous voice, first of all, but just the honesty and um, – You could tell how nervous she was she was shaking she was so nervous and said she'd never sang in front of other people before but um yeah she was incredible and just to see the progress that she's making and how someone who had such a broken past can just be so restored so that was pretty cool
0: yeah and the the lady in the yellow tank top here is one of the co-founders um i'm drawing a blank on her name anybody Angela. angela um angela you know shared her story as well and she came out of that uh, environment as well, um, drugs, um, abuse, prostitution, jail time, um, all of that. And so as she's working, it's, she was totally able to relate to these women, and that's what is helping a lot of them draw towards Christ was here's a human example of somebody that can come out of darkness and into light and through the power of Christ. And so she, uh, she, she and the girls were just incredible um, at that point. So anything else from Nashville? Nope. Okay. From there, we went to an RV park. Um, yeah, we stayed in an RV park, and the next morning woke up, and it was Bailey and Aleska's birthday. Bailey, eighteen; Aleska, seventeen. So uh, they celebrated their birthdays on a missions trip in an RV park in somewhere in Tennessee. And uh, so, happy birthday! We sang for them that morning. Um, from there, where'd we go? Bailey.
7: We went to Indianapolis.
0: Okay. And do we do?
7: when we first got there, we spent the evening uh, passing out, like, sandwiches and toothbrushes and shampoo kind of stuff to homeless people. Uh, my group went to um, the city, like, on the streets where the people were just sitting with signs. Um, and we got to sit down and talk to them and pray with them. And it was really cool uh, to hear their stories and... Um, they're usually people that we just kind of walk past and try not to look at them, uh, but to actually talk to them. And we realized that a lot of them could teach us a lot more than we ever thought they could.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and India, I think, was an eye-opening experience for pretty much everybody um, on the trip. And we split into three groups. Um, so Bailey's group went to downtown and, and places that we would go to um, to eat out, um, to enjoy a movie and entertainment, and they would just walk up to the homeless and start talking to them, sit down and, and on the sidewalk and, and pray with them, find out what's going on. Then we had a couple other groups that went to um, some camps. Let me show you a picture of that real quick. Um, somebody that went down there, uh, talk first about the camp, and then we'll come back to Guitar Jimmy. So, okay. Um, so, talk about the camps. What, what, what did you expect when you heard we were going to a camp, a homeless camp?
5: Well, honestly, I kind of just expected a bunch of people, like, sitting around, like, nothing really, like, too fancy or anything. When we got there, I was kind of blown away because these people were, like, building themselves cabins. And, like, I don't remember how big it was, the cabin that he was making. It was, like, 16 by by
0: 18. 16 by
5: 18 feet. He was just building a cabin, like, back in the woods, like, next to an interstate, which we drive on every single day. You know, and, like, you never think about that. You drive on an interstate, and you never think that there might be people back there.
0: Can I pause there for a second? How many of you have driven I-70 through Indianapolis? You drove right over a homeless camp of 50 people in the woods down by the river. And until this trip, I had no idea. I've been to Indianapolis countless times, and I had no clue. And I know for for me as a driver, it kind of changed my perspective. I was talking to Kevin Rao later on the walkies, and we were driving over bridges in, in cities, and there'd be woods, and we're like, are there people down there? It it's completely changed our perspective on it. So yeah. You want to talk about Guitar Jimmy? Yeah.
5: Um, okay. Well, we were um, <clears throat> when we were down at the camp. There was this guy named Guitar Jimmy, and um, the reason um, the reason he was called that was just because he really liked to play guitar, and that was like basically the only thing he had.
0: And his name was Jimmy.
5: <laughs> and, his <laughs> and his name was Jimmy. And his name was Jimmy. But um, we were talking to him, and in that picture, um, he was praying for us. We were Like, he had just been talking to us for a while, and he asked if he could pray for us. And um, so we all got in a circle, and his hands were, like, so filthy. But he grabbed us by the hands and, like, um, started praying. And he was just, like, so passionate about God and so on fire for God and so in tune with what God had to say. And I was just completely blown away. I just started bawling because it was incredible to realize that someone that had absolutely nothing would be desiring to pray for me and pray for blessings on me instead of the other way around. And like, I just, it was incredible and it was an awesome experience and I would not ever changed that for the world like that's probably one of the most life-changing moments I've ever had so it was really cool
0: and and that was on your birthday it was on my birthday birthday best birthday present ever yeah um who remembers uh Jimmy's background how did he end up on the
6: streets um when his son was eight years old he um the son died to a drunk driver and because of that Jimmy then became an alcoholic and then this, his whole life fell apart, and he just became homeless.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he sang songs for us, prayed over us. Um, he he said that his faith was restored because of these guys coming down there that night. Um, it, was, it was incredible. Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure that um, we thought we were going to go down there and change people's lives, but they, like, changed our lives instead. It was just the total opposite of what
0: we thought it was going to be, so. Yeah. What, what were some of the names of the other homeless that we met? Do you remember?
8: Okay, so I was downtown Indianapolis um, on the streets, and we met a guy named Justin, and what was really neat about him is when we came up to him, he was reading the Bible, and so we asked him what his favorite verse was, and he said it was Matthew 25, about the sheeps and the goats, so that was really cool since it was... Um, our core verse for the
0: trip. Anybody else? I think it was just eye-opening to hear their stories and how they ended up on the streets. Um, a lot of people, you know, just assume that that everybody on the streets made really bad decisions in their life and it's all their natural consequences, and there is that, I mean, obviously. Um, but there's other people that life just happened to them and the next thing they you know, they don't have a home, and they got to find a way to live and eat and survive. Um, and so one of the things we were challenged in by this trip is you can look at an issue such as homelessness um, and ignore it as an issue as, as, at large, but when you put a face and a name to an issue like that, it changes your perspective. And so for all these people here whether it be Justin or Guitar Jimmy or Lone Eagle or some of the other people, Kenny, uh, Dennis, these are people that we now know that have been a part of our lives and that are still living um, underneath a bridge in Indianapolis um, trying to survive. Um, so it was, yeah. You can see a lot the looks on their faces right now. I mean, seriously, looking back at how impacting and how profound um, Indianapolis was uh, on these students. So thanks, guys, for your courage. They had no clue again. Uh, we rolled into the church we were staying at that night, and they thought we were just done. We were done driving. We'd been driving for like seven, seven hours, something like that, and, and they're playing ping pong and carpet ball and goofing around, and then we're like, okay, by the way, come here, and grab your backpacks and your shoes, empty your backpacks. And Nate thought we were going hiking. Um, just, was that what you were going to say? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, he
1: was like, grab your backpacks and your uh, closed-toed shoes, and I was, I was like, wait, we're going hiking, and <laughs> everyone was like, Nate, we don't have anything in our backpacks. I'm like, <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, one of the students couldn't be here today, and so hoping this works, um, we uh, we recorded Jason Argo. Uh, he's up at camp, and this was his experience in Indianapolis. Um,
9: what was-
0: Um, Andy Luden, down here running the camera, uh, is a YFC intern. Uh, this, this trip was um, organized through YFC. I mean, they did, Eric Potter did an incredible amount of work on this and his YFC staff, and um, we had the luxury of partnering with them. And so um, Andy went as our photographer and videographer, and uh, we shot this last Sunday night since Jason couldn't be here. So give a round of applause to Andy and really. <laughs> Really to all the YFC, I know we've got um, Josh is here, uh, Bree is Ben in the crowd now. Um, they're YFC staff and interns, and um, we support Youth for Christ as a church. Um, it's one of our primary missions that we support here in our community, and uh, we love you guys. So thank you for the opportunity to partner with you. Give it, give it up for YFC, please. Um, from Indianapolis, where'd we go? I'm going to guess Cleveland. (laughs) You would be correct. All right, what do we do in Cleveland?
3: Um, A a branch of Youth for Christ um, in urban ministry is called City Life. So we got to work with a pretty sweet guy named Johnny Fine, Um, who's really cool. He worked for City Life in Cleveland um, just doing urban ministry. So we got to work on uh, the church where they do ministry. Um, We were painting a fence and we also went to his house where he um does a lot out of his house he gets to have a, like, a bunch of guys who um just are really in need of a father figure and um he just lets him crash at his house and um so we were, the girls were off painting a garage and the boys were over being manly and destroying um porches and killing possums
0: <laughs> all right stop there <laughs> For the parents and all the f- people that supported us through money and time and prayer, please explain the possum story. Well. We don't go around <laughs> randomly killing animals on mission trips. I'm just saying.
1: Um, well, we were taking out this porch. I don't know if there was a picture of it.
0: I don't know. Um, um, I think I got a picture of Aleshka painting the porch. Is, the that, porch. is that the porch? The porch was near this picture.
4: <laughs>
0: kind of over here. Wait, over there. Um, <laughs>
1: And, oh, yeah, we were taking out this porch, and there was tons of junk, like scrap metal and scrap wood and everything, two-by-fours and everything. And um, we were taking it out, and um, we found somebody was like, guys, there's there's an animal in here. And so uh, Johnny Fine and Josh Frederick, they go over there, and they're like, that's a possum. And um, we saw it had a little cut on it, and it it looked like it was going to die. So the guy kind of hit it. (laughs)
4: <laughs> Hard, <laughs>
0: and um, multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> we believe it was rabid. Is not you know. Yeah, it was, it, okay. Let, clarify. We don't go around killing injured animals either. Um, you know. It was. It was rabid. Like it was nine, not a healthy animal. It was not safe, and so needed to be disposed of. And so, <laughs> yes. Sorry. I'm just. It's like footnotes. I'm adding in. Your parents will never let you go with us again. Anything else, Isabel?
3: Um, something that I found cool is at lunch, Johnny was telling us how um, a lot of the kids who went to play basketball um, were in gangs and how he would go into the gangs and try to get the teenagers or whoever it was out of the gangs by telling them, okay, jump me, don't hurt the kids. So I thought that was very cool yeah. interesting.
0: Do you guys understand what she just said? Let me Let me let – me let me unpack that a little bit. Um, in a gang, you, if you wanted to be in a gang or to get out of a gang, you had to either pay money um, or you had to, to go through a jump or a beatdown uh, where the gang members would just basically beat you to the point of almost death. Um, and then you were excused from the gang. And so Johnny had a, a student who started going to Youth for Christ, wanted to get out of the gang. It was going to cost $3,000. Johnny's like, I can come up with that money. We can find a way to get you out. And the kids said, no, I don't, I don't want to owe anybody anything, so I'll just take the beatdown. And so Johnny tried negotiating with the gang leaders. He's, he knows all the gang leaders. He works with gang mediation all the time. Um, tried to get him out without the beatdown. They said, no, we got to have a beatdown. It's got to take place. So Johnny picks the kid up on the day of the beatdown, drives him to the site where it's going to happen, tells him to stay in the car, gets out, and says, I'm here for the beatdown. I'm going to take his place. And the gang leaders were like, What? said, you, you said you needed a beatdown. You didn't say it had to be him, and so beat me. And they wouldn't do it. They refused out of the respect for him. And so he renegotiated this kid's exit from the gang without a beatdown, without having to pay $3,000. And that was kind of, that was his side ministry. I mean, that's not what he does for the church. That's just him and his passion for these students in, in Cleveland. So, yeah. Well, else? I
3: was just going to say, like, about that, too. Um, it's not that often that we see such a, like, tangible example of sacrifice and it's easy to see like jesus died on the cross for us but to see this guy who was willing to put his life on the line for the sake of this kid that he he probably had a relationship with but i mean he was just a a kid in his church so just to see someone who was willing to lay it all down for the sake of jesus just really blew me away yeah
2: Katie. oh i was just going to share a funny story um, while we were painting, uh, the fence, it got a little monotonous, and, um, the paint was really thin, and I had just loaded up on paint on my roller, and me and Jason Lynn were like, oh, we should race to see who gets it done the fastest.
0: On the opposite side of the fence.
2: Yep. And it was not the best idea, because we ran, and his, he didn't tell me that his paint was pretty much gone, and there was no paint in it at all, so we were running, and I got Covered in paint, I looked like a tin, like the Tin Man off of The Wizard of Oz. Like, I'm not even kidding. And but it took like 45 minutes to get it off with paint thinner. <laughs> so learned my
3: lesson.
0: And you learned your lesson, Isabel and Paige. Learned a valuable lesson about paint thinner. Once you put it on, you need to wash it off with soap and water soon, oh, I know rather than like leave it on for 45 minutes to an hour. And their legs were like tingling. They're like, why is our legs tingling? <laughs> Maybe it's paint thinner. I'm not sure. (laughs) So we learned all sorts of valuable things. All right. So go ahead.
3: You should talk about basketball.
0: Basketball. Yeah. Um, The church had a basketball court there, and it was one of their their, uh, really strong ministries to the the community because there weren't a lot of safe places for people to play basketball. And so the church provided a safe place where games weren't allowed. There was no violence allowed, no drugs, no alcohol and people would come there from the community and play. And so, yeah, there were some local, um, like high school adults that were there playing, and um, so a few of us jumped in on that and, and played as well. So it was fun.
3: Real fast from my perspective, we're over there painting a fence, and these pretty awesome, like thuggy kind of athletic guys come over and start playing basketball. And there's Chris Genders, big old bald guy, in the middle of them, just <laughs> keeping up with them. It was impressive. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, think you his feelings.
0: I got game.
4: <laughs>
0: it was fun, and yeah, it was it was a blast. Just uh, you know, who I mean, using basketball to to reach people for Christ. You know, sitting on the sideline after a game, and you've earned their respect by playing with them, and sit down and start talking about their lives. And yeah, so and that was something we all learned on this trip: is you don't have to have like a seminary degree, you don't have to have any special training, just what God has gifted you with and your personality and how you can reach people for Christ with that. So yeah, absolutely. You can keep that story to yourself. You know, <laughs> Just kidding. Um, from there we went to Detroit, Detroit. and actually not Detroit, but <laughs> Hamtramck, um, which some people in the room know. Hamtramck is a city within the city of Detroit. It's surrounded on all sides um, by Detroit. So it's a really interesting community. Um, and there's a church there called Acts 29. If you know the, the Bible, Acts only has 28 chapters, and they call them Acts 29 because the church is still going on um, today. And so they, we did a variety of things there, so you guys talk about that. Well, first of all, what was unique about Hamtramck? Okay, grab the microphone. We were north of Canada. Exactly. Anybody know that? Detroit geography? You're actually north of Canada, so that was kind of funny. Um, so we met we some Canadians there, and they're like, yeah, we're from down south of the border. I'm like, Mexico? <laughs> what does that mean eh? Um, no they're from Canada so yeah that's unique what else about Hamtramck
5: well there's like um 50 different 50 different countries represented in like a two mile radius yeah in there's
0: Hamtramck. only 3,000 homes yeah in Hamtramck
5: but there's like 50 different languages being spoken like throughout the throughout the city so that was really cool
0: yeah and what were some of the things we did there
3: Dressed up as Elmo. Dressed up as Elmo. <laughs> Hold on a
0: second. Oh, I don't know that
3: one.
0: There we go. Why do we dress up as Elmo?
4: <laughs> um,
1: to reach the little kids. Like, they would drive by and they'd just be out the window like, Oh,
0: Elmo. Like, just driving by and we'd be like, hey. <laughs> and okay, but there's more to that story than that. So <laughs> keep going. Why, why Elmo? What, okay. what did we do once they came up?
1: Oh, well... The
7: actual...
8: Okay, so so Elmo was there to kind of, well, attract the kids, but then also to raise awareness of lead poisoning in the old homes in (laughs) Hamtramck. And then he also... Um, when, they, when the kids came, their parents came too, and we did uh, street evangelism, which basically we just had free lemonade out there, and we, we would take lemonade to the kids and then the parents, and we'd talk to um, the, the people and pray with them, so that was really neat.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Elmo is loved by everybody, right? I mean, we had adults by themselves driving in their car, would screech to a halt on the side of the road, jump out and be like, can I get my picture with Elmo? And sure. Okay. Like, do you have kids? with No, I love Elmo. All right. <laughs> well, so towards the end of the day, we're winding things up. And, you know, we're just out on the street. Like, I don't know if what we're doing is right or wrong. We're just there. We're talking to people. We're giving away stuff. And this cop pulls up. And I was like, oh, no, we're in trouble. And he gets out. These two guys get out, and one cop comes up. He's like, "Hey, my niece loves Elmo. Can I get a picture of, with her, with him?" And I'm like, "Okay." So he's posing there with the picture, you know. And so then we're like, "Can we have some fun?" And they're like, "What do you got in mind?" I said, "Can you like arrest Elmo?"
4: <laughs>
0: and I didn't want a picture. I didn't want to put the picture of like we have it, but I don't want to traumatize any children. But um, we got permission from the student that was in Elmo costume. Maybe we'll have it for second service. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, we'll have it. Um, so they like threw Elmo down on the hood, and we got pictures of this, handcuffed him, threw him in the back of the car, and, like, yeah, it was fun. One of my favorite pictures ever is Elmo on the hood of a police car in Detroit. So, but we did more than just Elmo and lemonade, lead poisoning. What else did we do?
7: Um, In the morning, uh, some of us taught English lessons to some Muslim women who didn't speak much English at all, some of them kind of none.
0: Okay. Others?
2: Um, We also, uh, a couple of us, did a Jonah skit for, like, I would say 10 kids. Or was there 10 or 10-ish kids? And they were all from, like, there was some from Yemen, some from Afghanistan and Bosnia. And we played games with them the whole day. It was was a blast. It
0: was good. And that was like a neighborhood backyard VBS program they were running. So then there were two other things we did as well. There's a big hint on the screen.
1: Well, we did those signs <laughs> for, um, well, like in the alleyways, the city, Hamtramck, they, um, you need to have your house number, like in the alleyway for the fire department and police to, just to know which house it is. And none of the people could, I don't know if they couldn't afford it or they just Didn't do it. Just didn't. Yeah, just didn't do it. So they were doing this for free without even telling them. They were just going to go put them up just to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, we painted the whole outside of the building brown. And, wow, that was hot. Um, (laughs) The roof, you can see up there. um, It was probably 110. Like, wow. It was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think
0: Nate's scarred for life from <laughs> Hamtramck. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, Hamtramck was just interesting just with the variety of stuff that we did and, and their focus on the community. Um, and they got a number of grants and initiatives just to partner with the city of Hamtramck um, as a church. They would write these grants and do these things for the community. So it was just really neat to see that. So other thoughts? Funny st- I, I'm almost getting arrested the kind of tops all the funny stories. So um, from there, we, uh, we took the students to Miracle Camp and we spent a night there. Um, you should have seen how excited they were when we pulled in there. Um, and then uh, we debriefed on that Wednesday and then we, we came back. And so, eight days, 2015 miles, whirlwind experience. Um, many of you supported us through prayer and finances. And um, these students and the adults that went couldn't have had the experiences that we did uh, without your generous support. So, thank you guys. Uh, very much for allowing us to, to have this experience. Um, one final question for you guys, and just real briefly: How has how has this trip changed you now back home? How are you different because of this trip?
1: When I came home, um, I was like, "What can I do with my life? Like, what can I do that impacts other people?" And I was up till like really late at night, like just looking up what I want to do with my life. Because like, before that, I really didn't have an idea like what I wanted to be when I grew up. But now, like, I have an idea that I want to like help people with. like, You don't have to go far or you don't have to go to Africa or South America or anything. You can just do it in your town. And it helps m- more than
0: going somewhere far, I think. I would say differently. It helps differently. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can do ministry in your backyard. Um, is, I can summarize what Nate's talking about. So,
5: I think, um, for me, the biggest thing about this trip was that just the perspective change that I've had. Because, um, like, we got back um, on Wednesday night, and then on Sunday morning, me and my family were driving to church. And on the way home from church, we saw... Um, I saw, I don't know if anyone else, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I saw a homeless, a homeless man on the side of the road holding a sign. And I was just, like, completely silent for, like, five minutes because I was just, like, it brought back so many memories, and it was just so powerful for me to remember that there's so much work to be done here. And that we can't neglect we can't neglect our own community to you know maybe go so far away you know and try to do missions other places but we have so much work here so that was my biggest perspective change I think
6: Yeah. Anybody else? Um, because of this trip I am a lot more grateful for what I have and for what God has blessed me with and I just have a, like Alishka said, um, a perspective change on especially the homeless, and I used to just generalize them. And they kind of became background um, scenery because of I used to be around cities a lot, and you just learn to ignore them. But now that I've like, put faces on them, I know that they each have their own story and their own troubles.
3: One of the things obviously the core of our trip was talking about the least of these and how um, seeing jesus in people that we might not see him in and i think the thing that changed in me the most was the way that i love and the way that i see people um just genuinely seeing people as like seeing christ in people um whether it's my family or if it's the homeless guy in the street or my best friend or the person that is really hard to love um seeing Christ in them and loving them the way that Christ would, even though it's sometimes not that easy.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things that our challenge to you as the church would be, um, what is your mission field? Um, What has God gifted you with uh, as far as, skills, abilities, personalities, passions, and what can you do to make our community and our city and our nation and our world a better place. Um, You don't have to wait for us as a church to organize something. Uh, There's a number of opportunities just waiting out the doors of this church, and we would stand up here as uh, people from this trip. Lives are changed because we had these experiences, and we would challenge and encourage and um, conjole all of you to do something, uh, to find your mission field and serve Christ and see Christ um, in everybody, um, especially the least of these. Um, because all those people that are homeless and naked and in prison, God created them, Christ died for them, and they're worthy of our love. Um, so that's, that would be our challenge, I think, uh, for you guys as a church. And our appreciation, again, thank you guys for the opportunity to be a part of this trip. And uh, we're just thankful for the chance to share this morning. So let me pray for us, and the band's going to come out. We're going to close out a song. Father, we are incredibly grateful for those moments when our eyes get opened, when we see the world as you see it, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Father, we're so grateful when you touch us and you break our hearts, And you inspire us and challenge us and convict us to do something significant with our lives. Um, Father, I confess that I spend so much time um, doing things that maybe are are kind of pointless um, and self-serving. And I think all of us could echo that statement. Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes to the people around us, the situations around us. And we pray that your spirit would just invade our souls And overwhelm us um, with compassion and desire to serve other people, uh, to meet their needs. Father, ultimately, to introduce them to you, um, Father, and let them experience the greatest gift that could be ever given to them. Father, we thank you for these students, the adults. We thank you for all the experiences, the safety uh, that we had. What a blessing. There were so many things that could have gone wrong. And uh, we just thank you for being with us on that trip. And uh, we pray that we honored you with all that we said and did. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.